0: Good morning, friends. Can we give the Lord a hand? Amen. Well, hey, I want to welcome those that are hanging out with us online. I want to welcome the Edgewood campus. We're glad that you're hanging out with us this weekend. And... Uh, We have missed hanging out together uh, in person, and uh, so it's really good to see everyone. And uh, that means a handful of things for us and our experience this morning. Um, I have three weeks worth of content to pack into about 30 minutes. Um, And so we're gonna cover a lot. So I'm gonna go really fast. You're gonna have to write fast and you're gonna listen intently. Um, and I'll uh, seek your forgiveness later, uh, because I got a lot to share. And so, what we're going to do is, is we're going to dive into Acts chapter two. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to bless you with one on either of our campuses today. Uh, you can simply go to our connection point, and we would love uh, love to hook you up with a Bible. Um, if you are, um, you have a Bible and you just didn't bring it with you. We're going to put it for you up on the screen. But in Acts chapter two, you have the makings of the early church. Uh, you have Peter who has preached this incredible message. He has encouraged people to respond, and then you see uh, what the the. Uh, the components of the early church are and how they would meet together and uh, how they would spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And today we're just going to reflect on that. We're going to ponder on that. And then we're going to prayerfully ask God to get our hearts there as well uh, to move ourselves um, towards the richness of church community. And so today's message, uh, week seven of a our series called Remember, where we just reflect and remember what God's called us to do as we approach a decade of ministry here. Um, The message title is simply this, A Commitment to Community. Uh, A Commitment to Community. And so let's dive in in Acts chapter 42, or Acts chapter 2, we begin in verse 42, and it says this, and they, meaning the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and the prayers Praising God and having p- uh, favor with all the people, and the Lord add to their number day by day those who are being saved. Let's ask God to help us as we dive in. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would remind us of your goodness, and remind us of what the early church and uh, the people there in Jerusalem committed themselves to as your word spread um, throughout the region. Of the known world that day. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to um, learn from this text and, Lord, also apply some of the things that are applicable to our lives today. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you look there in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Uh, the apostles' teaching would have been the written text, the things that they had heard and seen and uh, been witnesses to. Uh, they would have been, uh, it would have been really in, a set, in essence committing themselves to God's word. A handful of weeks ago when we gathered last, we talked about what that looks like. I encourage you to go back and uh, check that out for yourself on our website. But it also says they also devoted themselves to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. Uh, the reality is is that you you see the early church didn't just devote themselves to God's word which is a principle in 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 the 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 early church but also in our own church but also they devoted themselves to one another. Uh, the one another's of scripture are 59 different uh, places in the New Testament that we are to devote ourselves to one another. We, we love one another, we serve one another, we care for one another, we admonish one another. There's lots of different places that we would see the caring for one another. Uh, let me just give you one passage right, real quickly in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses seven through 11. It just says this, "'The end of all things is at hand.'" Peter says, Therefore, as a result of being near the end, you should be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hey, we can show hospitality, but how many of us grumble before people actually show up, right? Show hospitality without grumbling. Um, Verse 10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. It is God's grace that allows us to serve one another with gladful greetings. Verse 11 says, Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God might be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion and forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Peter basically just tells um, his, his followers and, and people who he's trusted himself to. He goes, "Hey, look, we, we exist another. We exist for, for fellowship with other people, because we are doing everything because of God's varied grace in our life. We're doing everything because of what He has done for us. And so when we think about what it looks like to devote ourselves to one another, we realize that we're devoting ourselves to several things. Let's back up to Acts chapter: 242 again, real quickly. Um, It just says says this, and they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, okay, to fellowship. We see that. But then it's the breaking of bread and prayers. In essence, what they're doing is they're committing themselves to fellowship and communion. Uh, That is one of the components that you would see in all community, The the idea of fellowship and communion can be seen, I think, in uh, the latter part of this passage. In verses 42 and 46, you see that they would gather in the temple. They would also gather in their homes, uh, you would see later on. So in essence, what I think you're seeing here in Acts chapter 2 is not just a small group ministry that's taking place, but really what you're seeing is some of the things that were present in the early church as it... As the early church began to kick off and flourish, well, you saw that there were components that ought to be present when God's people gather. And one of those things is the idea of a communal gathering, fellowship. The question is, is why do we gather? If you remember the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 22, when he says, hey, this is my body broken for you. Hey, this is the cup, drink. This is a reminder of my blood, which was spilt or poured out for you. That's the idea here that you would see in Acts chapter 42. When they break bread and uh, and they devote themselves to communion, it's that when they get together, they remember why they're together. And we are together simply because this morning we reflect on the broken body and the blood of Christ. And that doesn't just happen when we're together in our small groups. It also happens together when we are in a large corporate setting. So what I would say, whether you're gathering in the temple or you're gathering in the city courts or whether you're gathering in a small group home setting, the reality is, is our lives are meant to be lived for Christ because of a broken body and a spilt blood on our behalf. That's why we are together this morning. That is why we are here. We share in God's Spirit. We partake of the gospel together. We share in the sufferings of Christ together. And that's why we exist. And so, if you see why they exist, it's not just the, the communion, the breaking of bread together. And that's not uh, breaking the bread doesn't mean it's just a meal together. It's that when they do eat, when they do drink, they remember what it is they're eating and drinking for, and why they have the ability, under God's varied grace, as Peter would say, to be able to do that. Look at Acts two forty two one more time. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, which is that communal aspect, that fellowship aspect, but also to the prayers, that when we get together, that we, we also pray together. When we think about prayer, I think oftentimes that can be a very confusing concept because we go, well, how, how do I really pray? And how, how do I have a deep and a meaningful prayer life? And I probably would say that most of us will, would, would say that's an area of weakness that we could grow in. Most of us all would say, man, one of the weaker parts of my life is prayer. And the question is, is what exactly is prayer? Prayer is the opportunity just to rejoice in God. Uh, Paul says this way, the church of Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 and 18, he goes, read, rejoicing always. We pray without ceasing. We give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. He goes, what it is, is a conversation with God in in, in some ways, a continual conversation throughout our days, rejoicing, giving thanks in all circumstances, reflecting and pondering, even as we go throughout the day, having a, a relationship with the Lord. And it's simply a conversation where we thank him and we ask for his wisdom and we ask for his grace. Um, It doesn't have to be fancy. Uh, It doesn't have to be well-worded. Matter of fact, Jesus says, hey, you you don't have to be uh, like that of the Pharisee or or, or that like the hypocrite in Matthew 6. He goes, hey, it doesn't have to be fancy. Go go into your closet, get on your knees and, and seek the Lord. And it can be in a simple type of way with a childlike type of faith. Matter of fact, uh, what you might realize is, is simply this. Prayer is just entering into the treasure house of God to gather riches out of an inexhaustible storehouse. It is just seeking after the riches. That's what Spurgeon says. He goes, there are so many things for you in Christ if you'll just seek after them. But one of the components of prayer also in our small groups um, and and in our community is to confess sin to one another that we would pray for one another. That's an effective part of prayer. James, the half-brother of Jesus, says it this way in James 5, verse 16. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Really, what prayer is, it's it's coming to God's word, and it's asking Him to keep His promises on what He has already said He would do. And there is time and time and time again, God has already given us a promise's word, one of those promises right here in James chapter five verse 16. If you will confess to your sins to one another and you will pray for one another, you might be healed. Your prayer doesn't heal somebody. But what does happen is that God partners with you in your prayer to bring about healing and freedom and repentance and forgiveness uh, and restoration in relationships when we confess. What's so awesome, and I think uh, one of the things the Lord's taught me over the last handful of years is just what it looks like to confess sin to one another, but also to do that more often than any time I've ever done it in my life. Um, even as I, uh, this last Wednesday, sat with community and we confessed sin and we shared struggles, it was in a beautiful picture because almost every time that somebody would share something that was hard, was hard or painful even to share, we would just stop everything in that group and we'd go, hey, can we just pray for you? And we would just pray we just ask God for, for freedom and help and wisdom and grace. And listen, we didn't get out of there till 9.45 that night. And I, I know some of us in here are like, oh my gosh, <laughs> our group went three hours long. That's just, un, that's, just, that's uh, inconceivable. And listen, I'll tell you, it was the richest part of my life this last week. It, it was not only the richest part of my life, but it was also a shared experience for my children who watched their parents live in community. They know that community is a part of their life. They know that their parents need community just like they need community. And listen, we also know that community is more important than them waking up on time for public school. That was a challenge this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. We got there. But listen, in light of eternity, community and the breaking of bread and the fellowship and the communion of the saints and prayer, asking for God's healing and freedom in areas of our life is what community is. And I'm so grateful that the early church modeled that for us. Skip down to verse 44. We're going to skip verse 33. We'll come back up to it. But in verse 44, it said, And all who believed were together and they had all things in common. Now, this is really important. And the reason I want to talk about this is because when we think about community, we think about breaking bread and prayers and fellowship, and we think about the descriptive passage that we have here, what I, I think is so important for you to realize is that these people had things in common. And what was what was the point of them gathering? Was not their commonality in fishing? It wasn't their love for music. It wasn't their love for the cowboys. Well, back in that day, I think they were called the Saints. Um, and you know, but it wasn't about it wasn't about their life stage. They didn't get together in community huddles and go, hey, because you are the same age and we have kids the same age. That's what makes us common. That's not commonality here. When it says they had life in common. They shared all things in that. It, it, here's what it means. It means that they had similar struggles. Most of them were without jobs in that context because they were a part of the faith. And so they were members of the way, followers of Christ. That means they, left their, they, they had to not only sometimes leave their jobs, but they lost their jobs. And they had a very difficult time just surviving in a culture which was um, really oppressive to the saints. And so here it is, they're struggling just to survive. They have highs and they have lows, they have joys, they have sorrows, they share in victories, they cry together, they, they are persecuted together, they share in responsibilities together. Um, all of these things that they're wrestling with, the only commonality they have is that in all of their highs and lows and all of their sharing of sufferings, that they had the same Lord. And that was what it was that united them together. Now, what's crazy is, is that even that they believed and they had all things in common, they were still diverse people. I mean, you had you had Jews and Gentiles uh, beginning to, to merge together. You had different questions that they're wrestling with, even as they hear the apostles teaching, even as they're praying for one another, they're wrestling through uh, former faith experiences. And this diversity is what makes that church so beautiful in Jerusalem. It's what makes it so incredible as you read through Acts, it's diversity that allows us to learn from one another. And here's what I think I want you to hear. Oftentimes, one of the reasons that community here at Stone Point does not survive and does not thrive is because every single person's looking for your own value of commonality. It's not about, well, hey, we're older than them and they have kids and we don't, we're not in the same life stage. Who cares? You have great value to add younger families if you don't have kids at home anymore. If you're just looking for this this idea of sharing all things in common, that you have the same interest, hey, you're missing the point. The diversity is something that we are to celebrate in the church. And I think it's often something we miss out on because we're looking for reasons to gather together. And listen, here's what I would tell you. In 10 years of ministry, we have allowed lots of different groups to get together. We've had groups to get together for a variety of reasons. Some of them loved uh, this or some of them loved that or whatever. Uh, we've, We've said, hey, you know what? Let's try it. Let's give it a shot. And here's what we've discovered. In 10 years of doing ministry in community, which is small groups, we have realized that every group who has ever gotten together for any reason other than Jesus Christ has failed including the groups that got together because your leaders made you. If that's the reason you get into community is because as a member, your leaders make you, force you to get in community, it will not work. And the reason it will never work is because Christ is our only commonality. In our highs and our lows and our sorrows and our suffering and dealing with politics or the coronavirus and all the opinions, the only thing that allows us to come back and have just a kind of a level footing, just a a center ground is Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, when we disagree about a lot of different things, we can agree that we are unworthy of the blood of Christ. That when we think about his broken body, when we think about his blood that was spilt, when we think about him being high and lifted up on the cross and we set our eyes upon him, we go, I think he's enough. And friends, I think we've missed that. We have forgotten that. That in all things that we have and share in common, that Christ is sufficient, and he is why we get together. Paul says it this way to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 3, and when I came to you brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He goes, the only thing I have to offer you is Christ, our, our Lord, who was crucified on our behalf. Friends, We have that in common, we share that together, and that has to be enough, even as we experience life together. Acts 2, let's bump back up to verse 43. It says, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostle. When we think about this idea of a component being together, it was the idea of even awe and wonder. This marvel of what's taking place in the early church. And if we could have been there in that setting, it would probably have been incredible. The reason it would have been incredible is you would have had a church that started out with some some. Faith ideas with some, probably some values in which they wanted to share. Uh, they, they probably said from the very beginning is, hey, here's an essential theme. Something that, <coughs> excuse me. Something that we're going to have to share and, and, and kind of stand on. And they probably said something like this, like, hey, God's word is going to be a precedent. Um, hey, we're going to care for, for one another really well. Uh, hey, we're going to love one another. We're going to be uh, committed to sound doctrine. Uh, we're going to be committed to uh, the inerrancy of whatever it is that God uh, has given us through Jesus, the, the, you know, the Son of God. And, and we're going to be committed to these things. And also the, the apostles, the, the 12 that are with him, well, there's 11 now, uh, but we're going to be committed to them. And we're going to be committed to what they say. And you probably heard them talking about some of the things that they said, hey, we're going to be important. Maybe they even came up with a mission statement. Maybe it was something like this. Um, hey, we're, we're going to exist um, to, to love God. And, and, and we're going to connect people to him. Uh, maybe they say, hey, we're, gonna, we're also gonna connect people to others, and we're gonna help them love them. And maybe they go, hey, we're gonna connect people in, in ways of service, to serve in the body. And hey, more than that, we know that there's a, a whole world that needs to be reached. Hey, why don't we just say, well, let's go connect the world too. Yeah. And maybe they just say, hey, let's do that. Let's be about that. Wasn't hard, wasn't difficult, but what you had was a group of people who just say, hey, why don't we commit ourselves to the things that the scriptures are telling us to commit to? And you know what? People began to commit their lives to that, and people were changed by that, and people came into encounter with Christ. Matter of fact, as you get down to verse 47, it says, and there were 3,000 added of their number that particular day. If you continue to read on, you see the multitude of people, the scores of people that came to know Christ and follow him as a result of what the early church did, as they loved God, loved others, served one another, and reached the world, as you saw that, you saw life change. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people coming to faith in Christ. It reminds me a whole lot of what's happened here in the last decade. Awe and wonder. The question I often asked is, God, how in the world could you have done all of this here in spite of me? Lord, you know me. You know how jacked up I am, how messed up this guy is, and yet you continue to use us. This last week, just in my journey group, almost in tears, I go, I feel like I stink as a leader. I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling. I'm wrestling. And they stop, and they just pray over me, because right now, it's hard. It's been hard for a year. Plus... I don't have it together. I don't know where we're going. I want to know. I don't know where. Here's what I do know. We're to be called to love God and love others, to serve and to connect to a world who desperately needs him. And we ask God, Lord, would you do wonderful things among us? And it reminds me of what Jesus would say to a paralytic. Hey, what is greater That I would say, get up and walk, or that I would say your sins are forgiven. And listen, in a day and age where everybody's looking for a greater sign, you know what the greatest sign is? Is that God would forgive people of their sin. And that he would give them a new life in Christ. And friends, that's what they were devoted to. All in wonder. All of these different things that were happening was an impressive thing to see. Because that's what the church was about. Verse 45, it says, and they were selling their possessions, their belongings, distributing the pre- proceeds to all as any had need. And when you look at that, uh, here's what it just simply says, is they just, they were hospitable. They cared for one another. I mean, you see this aspect of, of loving and caring for one another. Jesus became more important to them than their possessions. Now, friends, if America could hear one thing, that would probably be something we should hear, that Jesus should be more important than our possessions, I mean, Luke desired so much as he wrote the gospel, uh, or the gospel, uh, feels like the gospel, uh, but as he wrote Acts, Luke desired for his audience to understand what freedom looked like, to be free from the love of things and to be fervent in their love for people. And that's what the church is called to, to be free of our love of possessions and free to love and fervency towards people. Romans 12, 13 says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Friends, that's what they did. As they were losing their jobs, as they were losing their homes, what they did is said, hey, come live with me. One of the most incredible things that I think I witnessed over the last, really, couple of weeks was the scores of people hopping into homes with others in the midst of a winter storm. I'm um, going, hey, come and take a shower at our place. Hey, come stay a few nights. Hey, come get warm. Hey, what do you need? And, and you see people taking generators to people. Uh, you see people uh, helping with busted pipes with other people. You just see this idea of, in some ways, hospitality and care. That's what it looked like. And they just continued this. How often? It said day by day in verse 46. Let's look at it. It says, And day by day, attending the, the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. There was just a joy and this, this sincerity about what it was that God had called them to. When we think about joy, we think about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But we, we oftentimes discount joy. Listen, when you have a believer who's following Christ closely, there is a joy that permeates their life. And here it was, serving wasn't, it wasn't a, a burden, it, it was a joy. And here's the deal, can I just be honest with you, man, I am frustrated by the number of people who think serving is a burden. I'm like, why is it a burden? Look, hey, when I grew up, I was used to going to church Sunday morning, Sunday morning again, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Monday night was visitation, Wednesday was church. I'm like, Tuesday and Friday were taken up because my dad was a coach, so it was some sort of game. And I'm like, all I remember is if you weren't playing a sport or watching it, you were in church. Now we live in America now that if you were to ask people for one time slot, they're like, oh, I just don't know. Do you know what church leaders are talking about when they get together at conferences is how to maximize people because people won't give you more than two time slots. And so I'm just gonna go ahead and take it to the bank. If, I, if you have one time slot to give, will you please no longer give it to our corporate gathering and give it to community in a small group? Let me say it one more time. If you have one time slot to give, give it to a group of people in a small group that you'll devote yourself to and that you'll, you'll, you'll do the things that we see here as an example in scripture. I think, I think there's more value in that than you hearing from me. I'm gonna say it one more time. Listen, there's more value in that for you than hearing from me. And, and listen, if you know how prideful and arrogant I am, that's, that's quite a statement because I think I add value to your life. <laughs> I think that what I have to say is good every week. But I'm going to tell you, it, it pales in comparison to what you would learn in community if you would gather with some people for the right reasons. I'm telling you. And, and I'll also, I'll confess, and this will be the last time you hear it from stage, because I have a handful of friends that say, hey, you've fallen on the sword too many times. It's time to stop. But I'm going to do it one more time. Our groups have not always been done well. There have been a lot of challenges, and there's been a lot of things that we've learned over the years. But I will tell you this. If you will commit to the community in the way that we have modeled it in the last handful of years, it is not broken. The model's not broken. Our people are broken. And when our people would acknowledge their brokenness and get in the ditch, even though it's messy, with some other broken people, and they'll commit themselves to Christ day by day, you will see healing and you will see hope and you will see God do amazing things in you, in your relationships, in your marriage, in your kids, as you model out community. And our corporate gatherings will be sweeter if you decide you have margin to come. Romans five thirteen or 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might abound in hope. Friends, there is great joy and hope in the believer. May we commit ourselves to that. Why? Because when we do that, guess what happens? Verse 47, it says, we praise God. They praised God and they had favor with all the people. The Lord added their number day by day, those who were being saved. Worship simply is just proclaiming of who God is. Hebrews chapter 12 says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. That's what they did. But listen, when you think about congregation, it doesn't have to be just large corporate setting. And when we think about, oh, hey, we shouldn't neglect the assembling of the saints. Listen, the assembling of the saints is not always a corporate setting. The assembling of the saints can be a smaller group. Colossians 3, 15 through 17 says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to be which you indeed were called in one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then look, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is both corporately and individually that we gather and we sing. It is giving God our praise. Why? Because that's how that's what attracts people to the God of, of our hope and our joy and our, and our message and our proclamation. That's how the church multiplies and the church should multiply, which is one of the questions people oftentimes ask is, hey, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I wanna to go to a church that's, that's that big or that great. But listen, what is the point of a Church. That we keep it nice and small and, and comfortable? Is that the goal? Like, I, if that's the goal, the early church missed it. <laughs> but I hear that all the time. Like, I want to go. Listen, do you wanna, if you want to be known here, then get into community with others and find yourself to be known. You're not going to be known by me, and you're not going to know me to the depth that you probably want to know me. Listen, and here's why I don't want to let you down, but you get to know me, and you're not going to like what you see. Matter of fact, you're probably going to be encouraged in some ways, like in your flesh, to go, I'm, I'm leaving. He's, he's like me. I thought he was going to be something that I wasn't. Listen, that's not how it works, but be known. And you know why oftentimes the church doesn't multiply? is not only because we miss the Great Commission, which simply says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that have commanded you. That, that, that's our, our proclamation, it's why we do what we do. But you know why I think we don't grow? It's because there's no joy in our churches. We go to little hope, and there's no hope. We go to faith community church, and there's no faith, and there's no community. We go to joy, joyful Baptist church, and there's no joy in their Baptist church. Do y'all understand why we didn't use community, faith, or joy in our church name? (laughs) I didn't want to disappoint anybody, and I'm being truthful with you. But what are we to be built on? That's exactly right. What are we to be built on? Listen, friends, here's what I need you to hear. When I think about this message, I think about these words. We is better than me. We is better than me. And listen, I know that there's many of us in this room that we have lots of friends and I get it. You're like, hey, I, I wanna be in a group with my friends. If I I know, like I get it that in some ways you go, hey, I, I want it to be my way. If I'm gonna commit to, my, to something, it's gonna be my way. And listen, can I just tell you that when we've done it that way, it's not ever worked. Why? Because our way isn't the way that the Lord oftentimes wants to work when we trust God in his sovereignty to a group of people and that we would get to know over a long period of time, God does something amazing. And here's what I would just tell you. Three weeks from now, we have a group link. And I believe that if you're a member of our church, you committed that you would be a part of community. And listen, I think you've got a great decision ahead of you. Do I want to be in community or do I want to be a member of this church? And I know that sounds harsh and that's not my intent. But what I'm saying is, is, Community is a core element of our church. It has been for the last decade. We either have to jump into community and be a part of that, or hey, we got to say, hey, maybe I, maybe, maybe we're not going the same direction. But when I think about Paul writing about what it looks like to yoke ourselves, the question is, is if our leadership's going this way and I'm pulling against our leadership and going this way, the question is, is What needs to happen? And the reality is that we got to decide, are we going to yoke ourselves in the same direction, which has consistently been the same direction over the course of a decade, or are we going to go a different? That's up to you. It doesn't change anything about how we think about you, how we love you, how we care for you, serve you. But the reality is it probably does change how we should identify one another. And here's why. Because I'm reading Exodus Um, If you kind of get a little ahead of our reading plan, Exodus chapter 18, Moses has a dilemma on how he's gonna care for all these people that he's led out of Egypt and and they're trying to lead him in the promised land. And he goes to his father-in-law for wisdom, which is something sometimes we can do, right? Go to our father-in-law for wisdom. And uh, as they're having this conversation, um, he, he comes to Jethro um, and this is his father-in-law. And you see this Jethro principle that, that kind of is put in place. And this is what happens. Moses' father-in-law in verse 17 of Exodus 18 says to him, hey, what, are you, what you're doing is not good. He goes, you and the people will certainly wear yourselves out for the thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. He goes like, son, listen to me. Um, he goes, I'm gonna give you advice and God's gonna be with you. Later on, uh, it, it says this in verse twenty-one: "Hey, look for able men from among the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place these men over the people as chiefs of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and even tens. He goes, "There's got to be a structure somehow where you care for the people." And so you see, as Moses goes on through twenty-four and twenty-seven, I'm going to read it to you, but he puts this in place, and people were cared for. Listen, the reason that we have the reason that we have community and the way we have is because we are a we're a flock, and, or we're a family, however you want to decide. But listen, in a flock, there's a shepherd. In a family, there's a father. We have a chief shepherd who is given shepherds to care for the flock. We also have a spiritual father who's the head of the body, in which he's given other spiritual fathers, uh, which is just shepherds, to care for the family. And the deal is, is this, is either way, as followers of Christ, we are to give into our leaders, Hebrews 13, 17, and we are to submit to them and we are to uh, allow them to shepherd and care for us. And here's why, because as a part of the family, it means that you are saying, I'm going to be cared for. And the reason that you need a flock and the reason that you need a family is because a child without a family is an orphan and orphans aren't cared for. And a sheep without a shepherd is prone to danger, attacks, wolves. And so listen, what I need you to understand is that God loves you and he cares for you. But being a part of the corporate church is not being a part of the flock. And being a part of the flock means that you're gonna trust God's provision for you, his plan for you, and his protection for you. And that's your choice. But I do think that that's what's wise. Listen, I pray that you would hear this. I am not trying to guilt I'm not trying to lead in in compulsion towards you. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I'm not trying to make you do anything that you don't feel compelled to do. That is not the goal of this message. The goal of this message is simply say, hey, here's, if we think about remembering what God's called us to, this is what we agreed upon. This is what we said we think is wise as we read scriptures. And listen, I don't think it's changed. Matter of fact, if I could double down on it now, I would say, I think it's the most important thing that we do. Have we done it well all the time? No. Is it perfect? No. But do we have a perfect father who's designed us to live in community with others? Yes. And I pray that he would spur you on to that. Not because I'm making you, not because our our future leaders are making you, nothing like that, but because you know that that's God's best plan for you. Let me pray for you. And then we're gonna close uh, in a song. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace and kindness towards us. I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you remind us of your goodness, and Lord, that you would challenge us to follow hard after you. We love you, and we thank you, Lord, for the message that you bring us, the message of hope, and we pray, Lord, that you would um, use your spirit to help us, enable us to do what's right as you lead us towards your truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.